This is the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, a podcast brought to you by two physical therapists devoted to helping physical therapists and other healthcare providers become better educators to patients, students, the community, and each other by interviewing prominent and passionate people within the realms of healthcare and education. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast is intended literally for educational and entertainment purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based on only one source, and therefore this podcast should not be used as personal medical advice. While care has been taken to ensure accuracy, occasionally mistakes and factual errors can be present, as we are only human. This is our journey on the road to becoming better educators, so get ready with your pen and paper as class is about to begin. Welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. Today, we had the absolute pleasure of having founder and CEO of her own practice, Embody Boss, on the episode, Dr. Chanel Norman. Chanel gave us her unique perspective about going through both a PTA and a DPT program. And Brandon, the thing I loved about her story was how it was such a perseverance and persistency story. She just kept giving it her all because she was so invested in becoming a DPT. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's going to serve as a tremendous inspiration and motivation for a lot of those younger professionals out there that are looking in the, the DPT realm, but are discouraged perhaps because you know they didn't get in the first time or even if they failed the board exam the first time. And I think this is a great story to kind of help with that. Absolutely. This episode, we kind of discuss uh, the differences and the similarities in both the PTA and DPT programs and some of the views that Chanel had on what the programs can do to improve the dynamics between a PT and a PTA and, and really bolster that relationship. And then we find out if she feels like it was better to be a PTA or a PT in today's market. So without further ado, hope you enjoy the episode with Dr. Chanel Norman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm F. Scott Field, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Brandon Pone. Today, we have the very lovely and talented Dr. Chanel Norman joining us, and we're excited to share with you her insight on some of the similarities and differences in going through both a PTA and a DPT program, and what she took from each program, and how she then applied that to her journey opening her very own practice. Chanel, I've been following your story for quite some time because I was absolutely fascinated by your kind of your underdog story, your, your get knocked down, get back up time and time again attitude. Do you think you could tell our audience a little bit about your story and your journey as a PTA um, and how that started? Yeah, for sure. Well, first off, thank you for having me. I really I'm very flattered and appreciate the opportunity. Gosh, my story. It feels like several lifetimes ago, honestly. In short, you know, I I have known I've wanted to be a physical therapist since I was 15. I was in a health occupations class at a vocational school in high school, and I had shadowed some physical therapists, and I just fell in love instantly and knew that, like, from that moment, that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Obviously, <laughs> it can't be that easy. I went to the University of Indianapolis to get my bachelor's in human biology and applied to DPT school. My junior year, they had like an early admit program, was waitlisted that year, and then applied again in my senior year, was waitlisted again, and then also applied to, it was at least like 11 or 12 different programs and was waitlisted to all of them. I knew I didn't want to do anything else. And it was really challenging, honestly. One of the harder harder years of my life. So that's when I kind of had to take a look at what I needed to do next. And so the options in my mind were, okay, apply to PTA school and hope that that gives you a bit of an edge. Hope, hopefully it helps demonstrate to some of these programs that 
you're invested in your career and that it means a lot to you, or maybe become an occupational therapist. So I applied to a master's program at the University of Indianapolis, and I also applied to the PTA program at the University of Indianapolis. And the current school of physical therapy is very good. It was very competitive for both of those, and they did accept me for admission into the OT program and for the PTA program. And so it was one of those things where I really had to swallow my pride. It took a kind of a hit at my ego, honestly, because I felt like I was backtracking You know, I went from earning a bachelor's to going back to get my associates or I could move up and get a master's degree. But I really just kind of dug deep and stayed true to what I knew I wanted and what I knew I was kind of built to do. So I I took that hit to the ego and I accepted the, the offering from the PTA school and did that. So that was, you know, two years of my career, honestly. Great program. Really enjoyed it. Uh, so that's kind of how that started. And so for me, it was never, PTA was never the goal. It was, for me, it was a chance to just put an edge on my application. And so after I was accepted into that program, that's when pretty much immediately I graduated in August of 2009 from that program. And I applied to the University of St. Augustine DPT program in December. So it was was a pretty quick turnaround. I instantly applied and did that. And then it was that next March that they offered me an interview. And so I flew down to Florida for that interview and was offered admission. So that's kind of the, the shorthand version of kind of how I got to that place. And then obviously the, the journey of going through DPT school is a, a whole other, <laughs> a whole other thing. Yeah, Chanel, I love how you put that. You really showed that you were invested in the field of physical therapy by looking at it as a portion of your career. Even though it was only a two-year associate's degree, you didn't look at it as an end game. You looked at it as, this is part of the, the process. Right, yeah. And you know, it's strange because I had had a friend who had did the, like a bridge program, like a PTA to DPT bridge program in Ohio. And obviously the University of St. Augustine is an entry-level program. So, you know, I really wanted a strong manual background, a strong orthopedic background, and I really respected that school a lot. And so looking back, it, it all orchestrated really nicely, but definitely I can still remember how I felt. I can remember the struggle it was to take a step back. And because in my, in my heart, I felt like a failure. I felt like people were judging me because of what I was doing and that like I or I didn't know what I was doing. And I mean, it was definitely challenging, but I just had to kind of put my blinders on and it really taught me how to live for myself and to stay true to what I know I need to be doing, regardless of the perception of what it is. Because I think unless you've followed your dreams or unless someone you're like talking to understands that they can't understand the mindset that goes into the process of trying and trying and trying and trying despite all of the people who think you can't do it or who doubt your abilities. And so that was one of the most challenging portions of it, I think. So Chanel, for our non-physical therapist-related listeners here, the major differences between a physical therapist and a physical therapy assistant, and, and you can help confirm this with us, is physical therapists can do evaluations, musculoskeletal kind of diagnostic testing, and discharges, whereas a physical therapy assistant really can only perform the physical therapy treatments, right? So that being said, what were some of the ways in which the PTA and the DPT programs that you attended uh, were different? You know, I think with the PTA program, it was extremely geared towards just technical skill and safety. The DPT program, you know, like I said, I went to the Manual Therapy Institute, so there was a lot of 
emphasis on the technicality of what you're doing and hands on treatment and, and that kind of thing. But it all really kind of goes back to the assessment and the accountability of it. I feel like my DPT program really gave me a sense of appreciating what I know and appreciating how that impacts someone's life and the kind of responsibility that you have to take on as an autonomous clinician. I think that between both programs, they were similar in that you're learning a lot of the, the basic skills. You know, I've, I feel like there was definitely some overlap between the two. A few of the people in my cohort, you know, obviously they weren't PTAs. There was a few PTAs and a few athletic trainers. And so we all kind of had a, a bit of a different skill set. But, you know, there, was, there were some students that didn't have any of that experience. So they were learning, you know, like goniometry and manual muscle testing and, and some of that stuff for the very first time. Whereas that was just kind of a small refresher, which was it was nice to feel like I didn't have to start from square one. Um, yeah, I was going to say that's got to be a pretty good feeling knowing that you've already gone through that. Right, for sure. Whereas, you know, it was nice too with, with the athletic trainers in the DBT program, they tend to be a lot more versed in a lot of the orthopedic special testings and a lot of the acute triaging and, and the traumatic type stuff and athletic type stuff. So it was really nice to be in a program with other clinicians who just came from a different background. But all in all, I think the technicality of it, there were some similarities, but overall, I think it was just a mindset difference, you know, and I do have my, my opinions about that. But overall, I think that was the main difference. Awesome. Chanel, did you find any other similarities between the two programs that you went through? The, both schools had a lot of pride in the profession, I will say. I respected both schools tremendously. I will say the University of Indianapolis tends to push out clinicians that are really skilled in neurologic type rehab, whereas the University of St. Augustine obviously is known for their orthopedic specialty, you know, the Stanley Paris method and the manual therapy certification tracks and all of that. So for differences, that's each shifted in its own paradigm. The Well, one other thing too would be just the format of the program itself. So I was in the Flex DPT program at the University of St. Augustine. So I've commuted from Indiana to St. Augustine, Florida every other weekend for about four years. Wow. So it, how long the drive was that? <laughs> right. So I flew down to Orlando or Jacksonville, and then I drove the one to two hours from that airport to the campus every other weekend. So there was that. Uh, so it, it gave some flexibility in working as a PTA while I went to school. Wow. And in the same respect, the PTA program was, it was on Tuesdays and Thursdays nights. So it allowed people to work while they worked on that as well. So both programs offered flexibility. The DPT program was very exhausting, aside from just the vigorousness of the program itself. And that was a whole other thing. But both programs taught me a lot of resiliency and just kind of going after what I was doing because even the PTA program that I was in was an hour and a half drive from where I lived. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, I was driving up to go to class and then driving back and I was working full time. And I worked full time through both programs. So I think that having gone through the PTA program and, and having to work while doing that kind of helped establish my mindset as I shifted into the next phase, which was a bear and kind of a blur, to be honest. The thing I really respected and loved about the University of St. Augustine was that, you know, they got a lot of grief from, from the profession in regards to how many physical therapists they were producing. You know, they accept three cohorts a year and, you know, they don't accept as many into the flex programs because of obviously, you know, they don't have as many TAs and as many professors and stuff available, but they graduate a lot of physical therapists um, every year. And so people were asking them, you know, like, what, what is the industry going to do with all these physical therapists? 
therapist? Like, where are they going to go and work? And the owners of the school, you know, Dr. Paris and Dr. Patla, you know, were very candid in telling them that they want their, their graduates to go out and run businesses. They want them to go out and have their own clinics and have their own companies and, you know, revolutionize the way that physical therapy is addressed. So I really, really respected them for that. And it really helped me. It made me feel as though, you know, what I was doing was like what I wanted, what my dream was, was very possible. So Chanel, with being out and working as a therapist for a little bit and, you know, actually transitioning into your own practice and kind of looking back on, you know, your time through the DPT program, what are some things that you felt like the programs really helped prepare you for in the real world? In regards to the DPT program, obviously it's an amazing program academically. It teaches you a lot of structure. It, it really emphasizes doing things that a lot of people aren't going to do. And, you know, they were very clear about that when you started the FLEX program because you can't miss weekends. You're there giving up every other weekend for four years. And that makes planning things pretty difficult. It really helped me hone in on what discipline is and what it means to prioritize your life and to do the things that you that you have a true and honest fire for, you know? And I think it kind of goes back to like really anything in life, whether it be sports or whatever, things that you enjoy. There's always so much more to learn about life in regards to like the backstory of what you're doing to get the goal versus the actual stuff you're learning. It really put a lot of things into perspective for me. And I think, well, actually, I think about it a lot. I think about how much persistence and perseverance and dedication it took to just get through the program and to go down to Florida every the weekend. And now I look back and I think, well, I did that. I can do anything. So it, it was a very invaluable experience to me. Priceless, really. I think all in all, the, the actual academic program itself, that had such high expectations and high expectations of professionalism and how you conduct yourself. And, you know, every weekend you're wearing a white t-shirt tucked into athletic shorts and you're wearing lab coats for your exams and you really learn to take a lot of pride in what it is you're doing and learning. And I think that that's something that the physical therapy profession really needs to do better, honestly, as a whole, because we're just so valuable in the, in the workplace. And so I really credit the university to that portion of my skill set and just how I view the profession in general. So you think we need to up our game a little bit at the educational level with professionalism right off the bat? I do. I think it's important to, from the very start, to make physical therapists feel comfortable in taking responsibility for an outcome, for taking responsibility in what is and isn't happening, communicating with other clinicians, communicating with patients. Because I think the old school thought is you're just kind of doing what someone tells you to do. And so it's not kind of on you as to what happens. And so you can kind of throw your hands up in the air. But I think, you know, we're moving into an era of physical therapy, especially with the DPTs and direct access. And we just have an opportunity to really revolutionize how we contribute to healthcare. It really starts with the clinicians taking responsibility for what they know and what they don't know and what they need to learn. What are some ways that you feel like that's also helped you in regards to doing your own business? I'll say this. I think that to have done what I did the way I did it, you know, the VS to PTA to, to DPT route and the, the program in which I did, I think that all of that helped me understand that the way I see things is just a little different. And so I don't think that working for someone else is ever going to be fulfilling for me. I think that I value relationships a lot. And especially when you work for a corporate company, 
I think that there's a lot of fear attached to relationship building and a lot of worry in regards to liability. And, you know, I think it there just gets to be kind of a lot of red tape. And, you know, it's red tape that I just think is a little bit detrimental to the outcome for patients. I have a genuine relationship with my patients. And that in itself is what made me want to have my own practice and have my own brand. Because I think that that's really what PT is missing in a lot of respects. I think that so much of what we do depends on how much we resonate with people and how much we inspire them to change their behavior and just to live a more fulfilling life. You know, obviously what we do revolves around quality of life. Like that's the very basis of what physical therapy is for. So I think that in order to really change people's lives and help them change the way they see their own life and their own function and everything that they're capable of doing, you have to be someone that really resonates with them on an emotional level. And so honestly, I just never wanted to have to explain that to an employer. I don't want to ever have to defend that. I think that it's just the way to be. Doing the right thing is always the right thing. And I think taking care of people is really important and putting them first. You know, I just think that it gets to be a bit of a conflict of interest when you're running a giant corporation and, you know, obviously you're a business, so you're you're in to make money. And for me, I'd rather keep it small and I'd rather make it meaningful and fulfilling for everyone involved. And at the end of the day, I would rather feel really, really good about what I'm doing than build someone else's dreams, honestly. Absolutely. And I think that was a fantastic take and kind of what you said about, you know, trying to convince an employer. And I think the thing that's really amazing that I think that we overall need to get out to people is that, you know, it's possible to actually pull that off and make money off it. For sure. No, definitely. And, you know, that's a, that's eye opening as well. It's definitely something that I'm having to wrap my mind around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the fact that it's interesting because I think the corporate way is to kind of make you feel dispensable to make you feel like, well, you're a physical therapist, I'll just go hire another one. And honestly, I just don't feel that way about myself. And, you know, the feedback I get from my patients and the friendships that I've built along the way is that they value that I'm not like that. They value that to them, I'm a partner. To them, I'm someone that they trust. They know that I have their best interest at heart, but they also value me in a way that is that is worth money. You know, it's it's one of those things it's just one of those things where your quality of life is worth something. And as physical therapists, we should be very skilled in help people, helping people meet their goals and helping them have a better quality of life. And so the better the relationship you build, the better it is for everyone. Yeah, Chanel, I think that's a very powerful point. I think, you know, putting the care back in healthcare doesn't mean losing out on the monetary side of things, you know? I mean, there's people are going to value that quality of life like you were talking about. No, definitely. They they do and that's the thing. I know, I know I was kind of worried about that. Like, you know, obviously I've had this conversation with my patients and former patients about opening my own practice and taking off with it like that and I was worried about how how would they perceive me? Would their perceptions of me change? Would they think that I was something different? And what I've found is that they're genuinely happy for me. They think that it's a worthwhile endeavor. And that obviously, like, everyone has a job in life, right? Everyone has a career. It's not fair to be villainized for pursuing an endeavor that is more financially rewarding. Because at the end of the day, the corporation is going to make money anyways. And the patient knows that. <laughs> 
And so I think as you build relationships and you are truly talented in what you're doing and you are bringing meaning to the situation, they're happy for the endeavor for you. When I was shadowing physical therapists, that was what really grabbed my heart was watching the physical therapist work with a patient who had had a brain injury. It wasn't really what the physical therapist knew that made me intrigued. It wasn't like the physicality of the situation. It was the emotional bond that you could just see between two people. And it was just so powerful to me. And so that's what I put above everything else. And that's what I think is so special about our about our profession. Yeah, Chanel, kind of on top of that, like, do you think that the difference that your patients see in you is a clinical mindset, a business mindset, or a little bit of both? You know, I think that my patients feel like I'm, I'm skilled clinically, that I communicate well. But I think that a lot of my life experience and my openness with them about the things that I've been through and the things that I've learned helps them feel more vulnerable with me. And I think vulnerability is is something we don't really have enough of in the healthcare profession. But vulnerability is what really ties two people together. And so you have to have that trust between a clinician and a patient. It just has to be there. And I don't think it's necessarily fair that clinicians expect a ton of trust from patients and expect a ton of respect without giving a little bit of yourself up as well. And so I think that my patients just respect the fact that I'm real with them and I'm very vulnerable with them. And they instantly know kind of where I stand and how important they are to me. And that's the one, like one of the biggest blessings that that came out of everything that's happened in the past 10 years for me is that they know I'm invested. You know, I talk about that journey. I help them understand that this was like the most important thing to me for a really, really long time. And I kept going and they, they have no problem investing in me because they know that I'm very invested in them. Chanel, kind of going back in terms of talking about more of the programs, what was the process like for taking the licensing test for the PTA and the DPT programs? Oh, goodness. So funny you, you asked that because so much of it has to do with my mindset in both realms. Prior to the moment in which I took my DPT boards, I was a very, 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 very anxious, stressed out, like on edge person pretty much all the time. <laughs> At that point in my life, I when I was taking my PTA boards, I gained like 100 pounds since I graduated high school. And so much of that came from the fact that I was super depressed about not getting into PT school. Like it was the only thing I wanted in my life and I didn't get that. And so over time, emotionally, I just wasn't handling all of it well. And so I remember studying for my PTA boards a mess 24-7, studying all the time. It was just, it was not good. <laughs> and, you know, I passed but at the expense of what my my mental sanity was like on the low end. And so there was that. And I did have a lot of pressure to pass because I did have a, a position offered to me and with a, a really nice salary as, as a starting PTA. And so I just felt a lot of anxiety and worry about it. But then you fast forward to the moment that I was studying to take my boards. And that got to be a little bit interesting because the University of St. Augustine has an option for you to take a ton of manual therapy certification courses the summer before you graduate and then take your boards. I went that route. And so I, I had a ton of exams to take all summer, but then they also tack on three exit exams. So you take an oral, a practical and a written exam on everything you learned in the entire curriculum for four years. So, so much of my time was geared towards kind of the USA way and what they view as super important in terms of manual therapy and 
So that's kind of where my brain was. And so I ended up doing all of that. And then, you know, by the time I took my boards, my mind really wasn't in in the space it needed to be to take that type of a standardized exam. But at the same time, I was also in a place that felt a lot more comfortable in who I was. I didn't have as much anxiety. I worked through a lot in the program. I ended up losing 100 pounds. And so for me, I just felt like I was in a better space mentally and emotionally. And interestingly enough, like when I took my PTA boards, if I had failed those, I pr- I don't know what would have happened. Like it would probably would have sent me into a tailspin. I would have really internalized that failure and it, it would have been pretty detrimental to me. Took my DPT boards and actually failed the first time. And I was devastated, really angry at myself, but it didn't really drag on. I let it, I had a pity party for about a week and then just went at it again and passed on the second try. But I just think about how important it was from a, like an emotional standpoint to accept that like things aren't always going to go your way and you can't internalize an outcome. You just have to learn from it and kind of move on from it. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that goes for, you know, outcomes with your patients as well. Like you can't internalize those and can't, you know, they, those don't determine how you view yourself or how you are as a therapist, you know, that the outcomes are what they are and you just kind of have to roll with it, you know? No, absolutely. That's an excellent point because I struggle with that at times. I want to take so much responsibility for everything that happens, but you can only do your best and then kind of move on and, and learn from it. And it's just one of those things. Uh, Chanel, in your opinion, and and you don't have to make this directly uh, an academic question or in the world of academia, but what do you think makes a great educator? I think really great educators inspire people to rise above the status quo. I think it's important, especially, you know, when you're in a position in which you're responsible for someone's both academic knowledge, but also just character and integrity like when you're when you're helping someone build their personality especially for a a profession like physical therapy it's important to help them understand the gravity of what it is they're doing and the amount of pride that they should be taking in what they're doing you know i meet therapists sometimes that i'm kind of confused as to why they're therapists because it kind of just seems like a job to them or it just seems like something that sounded like a good idea and i just feel like that definitely bleeds into how your patients see you and it bleeds into the outcome and it bleeds into the relationship and it doesn't really prove much positivity you know and so i really respect people who aren't afraid to inspire other people to do better than what they've done to really rise above the way the profession is now and and to want more for the future clinicians and to teach them how to listen and communicate. And, you know, I feel like there's so many elements of being a physical therapist that I didn't learn in in either program, you know, and and then they weren't really emphasized enough. I think your ability to communicate and, and to really demonstrate a lot of personality is just so important. It's an intangible and to an extent, I feel like it's a gift and it's it's something that's hard to really harvest. But I think when you're learning some of these skills that you have to know as a physical therapist, it's important to interject all of the intangibles that have to go along with that skill or else the skill is kind of, you know, moot completely. I totally agree with you in terms of the importance of communication because, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I came out of school, I kind of got the impression that it was all kind of skill-based and I kind of blew off the communication part of it because, you know, to me, it just didn't seem as important and that's not the perception that I had going through the program. But man, working out, working in the real world, man, that totally changes real quick. 
Yeah, you. I was going to say you learn that quick and in a hurry that it's it's all about the connection and the communication. Oh, it is for sure. And, and, you know, that is one thing that I think being a PTA, like moving into that DBT role, I, I felt like I had an edge was just understanding how to talk to people, how to have a personality around someone that you don't know, how to touch them. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a skill you don't think about once you've been practicing for a while. But when I was in DPT school and I watched other classmates go through those things because they hadn't yet been a clinician, it reminded me of what it means to have that skill set. And, you know, the communication component is just so important because I, I feel like more than half of our job is to just communicate what we know to someone so that they understand it better. Because obviously without their comprehension of what it is we know is important, there's no saliency in that and there's no carryover in that. And so it all starts with that. Absolutely. I feel like I'm, I'm, honestly becoming more and more of an educator every day. If I go home and there's anything left in my voice, I feel like I haven't done a good enough job. <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, you know, absolutely. It's one of those skills that I feel like needs its a, a several several courses of its own in these curriculums. And I definitely agree that you, you come out feeling like you're technically competent and that you're good. But I think that the most important portion of like the entire career, the entire outcome of all of it has to do with the, your ability to build a relationship and everything that goes into building trust and a rapport and, and a mutual respect. Because, you know, mutual respect is extremely important when it comes to having that patient clinician relationship. And you have to be able to build that pretty quickly, in my opinion. Sure. No, absolutely. Chanel, kind of going back to like your PTA program, I'm just kind of curious about this. Were your teachers in your PTA program, were they mainly PTs or were they PTAs? Uh, well, the Craner School of Physical Therapy shared staff. The director of our program was a PT, and then a lot of the professors were PTs, but they were intermingled. There, like there were PTAs in some of the in some of the coursework. I do feel like most most professors were PTs, and you know, looking back, it wasn't something that I thought about then. But now, as a DPT and someone who you know wants to be a practice owner, the thing that really bothers me the most is that. In both programs, whether it be the PTA or the DPT program, there really wasn't any emphasis at all on building a relationship between a PTA and a DPT or an MSPT. It was like two separate professions. <laughs> and even now when I'm in, in some facilities doing contract work, there's just, it's like there's this disconnect. And it's a real shame because I feel like a lot of PTAs don't know or respect what the PT knows and how they're different. And I feel like a lot of PTs don't know or respect what it is the PTA should know and how they're different. And it really, I feel like it just causes this extreme divide and misunderstanding within the entire profession. And it's it's just so detrimental. Yeah, I see that a lot too, Chanel. Out there, you know, there's just no synergy between the two when in reality they should be working hand in hand, literally. This isn't even like a cross profession. It's not like PTs, OTs, and speech all working together. This is literally PTs and PTAs that should all be doing the same things and knowing, you know, the same field. And there's just not a lot of synergy there. Right, exactly. And, you know, having been both, I like that I'm able to really understand and appreciate what it is that a PTA that I'm working with should be able to handle within a case. And 
how to progress someone. And I think understanding that is so important. Um, I feel like in both programs, there needs to be a kind of a, a hybrid course in itself that just teaches you how to have a relationship with that, with the other clinician. Because I think I also get the feeling that, you know, conversely speaking, a PTA feels like they know everything that the PT knows. They just can't do the first eval. And that's not true either. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like it just creates such a disconnect and kind of a bit of resent between both. And I just think that it would be really beneficial for both PTA and DPT programs to have a special course that's, that's solely designed to can give you insight into what it is the other clinician knows, how it's different, and then also how to work together with a patient, like to establish expectations, to establish rapport and respect. And I think that it would go a long way. Oh, no, totally. I totally agree with that. And, you know, and one thing that really helped me out in one of my clinicals is actually, you know, when we worked with PTAs and my CI actually educated me and told and showed me how to actually, you know, use the PTA and like develop that relationship with each other so you can kind of both be on the same page with the, with patients. And that was so incredibly helpful. Absolutely. It's weird because I look back and like I said, it's not something I thought about at the time, but now I look back and it's like, no one really ever told me any of that. <laughs> you know, as a PTA, it was like, I was this, I was a clinical guide. I was doing what someone wrote in a plan of care I should be doing, but there wasn't a ton of understanding between the both clinicians. And it's kind of bothersome to me now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I feel like with certain healthcare providers, that happens in general, like, you know, MDs with PTs, PTs with PTAs. And I mean, it's it's not just always a, you know, a PT, PTA issue. It's I think that's pretty prominent in a lot of different healthcare professional roles. Definitely. I agree. I think that's where having accountability and a lot of pride and respect for yourself and knowing your self-worth as a clinician is really important in terms of communicating that with other clinicians and feeling you know comfortable and confident and explaining to someone what it is you know. But also the way I've tried to do it is really giving that impression to a patient and the patient will, if, if you've really done a great job at that relationship and working with them, They'll, they'll help anyone they come across understand how skilled you are and what it is you know and how you've helped them. I think letting your outcomes speak for themselves is, is beneficial, but also having enough confidence to carry a conversation with another healthcare professional in regards to what it is that you do and how you can help is important too. So we're going to ask you to kind of put on your business and entrepreneur hat for just a minute and ask you this question. Do you feel in today's market that it's better to be a PTA or a PT? And what are some of the reasonings behind that? I think that the best thing for today's market is for the clinician to know their purpose and what they're doing. Like bottom line, I think that they're both valuable, but they're only as valuable as they take their role seriously. In my opinion, I've come across PTAs that are more, they seem to impact their patients more than some PTs. And it, it, it has to, it comes down to how much you love what you're doing. And I get, you know, this question a lot. A lot of people ask me, well, did you go from a PTA to DPT for the money or, or whatever? And like, no, that really is not like I've, always wanted to be a DPT, like from the very beginning. And it never had to do with the money. And it's interesting because, you know, when I applied to DPT school, well, actually not when I applied, but when I, when I was about halfway through, I had signed on with a new company who was paying me a very good, a very good rate to be a PTA, better than some PTs make today. And so it really wasn't about the income. I made a good income before. For me, it had to do with really just loving what it is you're doing. And for me, I wanted the responsibility. Like I crave 
the responsibility of the situation. So I think that in terms of the market, outcomes matter in the market. And the only way to have a good outcome is to really love what you're doing. And so my advice would never be to go from being a PTA to a DPT because you want more money because that is short-lived. It doesn't provide fulfillment. Like really understanding your purpose and having an investment in your patient, which should always drive the market, regardless of whether or not you're a business owner or not. So it's not the title really, it's just how you leverage it and and how you have an impact that really makes the difference. Right, absolutely. You know, for me, going on to, to earn my doctorate degree, I like I I wanted that as a personal goal because I, I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it, but I also wanted to know as much as I could possibly know and use all of that knowledge within a scope of practice to do best for my patients, you know? Because like I said, I've met a lot of really skilled PTAs. For me, it wasn't about the letters. It was about doing it, like achieving a goal and then also just rising up and applying that to people's lives. Awesome. So kind of saying along the lines that, you know, the title really doesn't matter so much, but it's more so your mindset and your passion and the the mindset that someone has that can really drive someone to really do well in the market today. I think that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. It's always interesting to me, the fact that I feel like a lot of healthcare professionals really look past the fact that patients are people and people tend to be fairly intuitive and they can just feel from you like what it is you're looking for in a relationship or in a situation. And the investment into someone and the responsibility and the the amount of seriousness I take in what I do really contributes to that relationship altogether. Totally. So Chanel, we asked this question at the end of each episode because we're kind of curious at everyone's take. But so the question is, if you could change one aspect of PT or DPT education, what aspect would that be and why? I think there's two, you know, like we touched on it a bit, but I think that the, the way in which we go about training PTAs and DPTs is extremely separate entities. While they are different skill sets and they are different professions, it feels very counterproductive to not ever intertwine the two when you're teaching someone how to do it. Because part of your skill set as a PTA is understanding and being strong and communicating with the PT about what's going on, respecting what they want, understanding why they are making the choices that they're making. And in the same respect, it's important for PTs to also respect the assistant that is helping them and that is treating their patients day in and day out. And really developing a rapport and and an open communication is so important that I just feel like it's this huge gaping hole within a lot of programs. And it's everyone kind of loses out on the situation because it makes everybody's job harder when you don't have a good relationship with someone who's treating your patients and you don't feel comfortable with them or you feel like they don't respect you. You know, it's just, it gets to be very, very counterproductive. In terms of the profession itself in education, I think that we need to hone in more on our role as preventative healthcare providers. I feel like, especially in terms of like fitness and eliminating comorbidities, and there's so much that is left to be kind of untapped in the physical therapy realm. Um, Because I think of fitness as preventative therapy, you know, it's like preventative healthcare measures. And so I really feel as though the profession needs to kind of be a little bit more forward thinking and owning that realm of healthcare, because obviously the way in which our, our society is right now in terms of obesity and, and diabetes and, you know, everything, heart disease, everything, it's, it's just really important for us to own that and own 
what it is and how we can help motivate people and how we can inspire people to change their their health behaviors and reverse things while they can be reversed. I think that's so important. No, no, so, that's incredible. I couldn't agree more with you, Chanel, on that one. And, you know, deep down, I kind of have a passion for that too. And that's something I'm looking to pursue more of because, you know, I've taken Mike Eisenhart's population health course because that's a topic I really, an area that I really want to get into because I, I agree with you on that. I do think we need to go more towards that realm. And, you know, just seeing the data on all this and learning what we can do to help is astonishing. And if anyone's really looking into look into that, you know, I definitely recommend looking to aphbt.org. It's a fantastic resource. People that want to get involved with that project. So I just want to give it a shout out for that. Yeah, I second that. I, I uh, joined that early and often because I was uh, so personally touched by it. And it was a, a journey that I thought I had to take myself in order to kind of just get the right mindset for what we're doing for healthcare. And I think, uh, you know, Mike Mike, and a bunch of those guys are doing a really great job of, of educating the population to that that movement. No, that's great. I look back on my my own personal health journey. Obviously, it wasn't a, it wasn't great to gain a hundred pounds, and it wasn't fun to lose it. But it also it gives me another kind of another realm of vulnerability to kind of tap into when I'm working with patients because you know oftentimes I'll evaluate someone who tells me that they would like to lose weight or they they know they need to change this or change that, and I'll very candidly kind of show them some of my before pictures, and it just kind of blows their mind. Uh, because in their mind, they see me as a somewhat successful human being who may or may not have her life together. But it's always important to show people the possibilities. And I feel like as physical therapists, that's like our primary job is to help someone believe in themselves, you know. And so it's just really important. Absolutely. Yeah, Chanel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really enjoyed having you. Could you go ahead and tell our audience a little bit about where they could find you on social media and on the web? Sure. So um, I'm on Facebook uh, under Chanel Norman. I think it's facebook.com uh, slash Chanel DPT. Um, and then also I'm on Instagram. The dot embody boss is my screen name for that. And then also you feel free to email me at embodyboss at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. Thank you for attending class today. And we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, healthcareeducationtransformationpodcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.